content discussed on this show is not necessarily the opinion of the cast of Spiritually Raw, and topics quite often are for mature audiences only. So, if you happen to have your 13-year-old listening in... Hello, everybody. How are you doing today? And welcome to Spiritually Raw. April and I would like to thank you for joining us here today. It's a very, very special day, right? And every day is a special day. That's what I meant by that, really. <laughs> that was a very special day. But anyway, so again, I'd like to always thank uh, our uh, engineer and producer, Juan Carlos. So he's always, he's the super glue that keeps us together here and uh, co-commentating, commentating with us. I shouldn't say co-commentating, commentating with us. Sarge Brown. How are you doing, Sarge? What's up? What's up? <laughs> it's Coach Sarge, Jay. Coach Sarge. When are you going to get that right? So, you know, how many people do you know in life that their name actually explains who they are and what they've done? What, Coach Sarge Brown? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's like perfect. He's a coach, he's a Sarge, and you know, there you yeah. go. Yeah, Sarge Brown, so there you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. It'd be like um, sales, Salesman Jay. Okay, you lost us there. Uh, <laughs> that, was, that was terrible. Oh, do we have a boo there, audience? I mean, can we boo her? Oh, that was awful. Oh, don't give her a round of applause. It was one of the worst ones I've ever heard. Oh, my gosh. It's terrible. <laughs> I mean, imagine, though, if, you're, if your name, like, you went around and it would make so your life... Unwitty. You're so unwitty. You're so unwitty. It would make your life a lot easier if, if, your, if your name was your title. Sarge, can we, Sarge do, we, do we have, like, a, a witty class we can put April through? Well, Sarge... Yeah, I don't, I don't know what witty class. I mean, no. Wait a minute, Sarge, weren't she's, you? She's, she's tough. Oh, look at Sarge. Look, Sarge sticking up for you there. Thanks, Sarge. <laughs> there you go. Weren't you, know, weren't you a... always say on the safe side. Yeah, you got yeah, that right. right. Wait a minute. Didn't you say that you used to do stand-up? Yeah, did stand-up for a number of years as well. Well, well let's hopefully... You know, it, it, one of my favorite jokes was, was you know, going to the bathroom. It, 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 it got most of the laughs. Because whenever you're in, always something happened. Just the other day, for me, it you know, I'm holding my phone. I think that I'm about to talk to it, and it dropped out of my hand directly in the toilet. Oh. Just trying to get it out of the toilet without oh. it actually going out. <laughs> Tell you. Oh, you know, but those are those funny experiences that we experience in life. Yeah. Unexplained. Everybody's a comedian today. <laughs> All right, everybody, listen. So when See, Jay, that's right. It's in the air. It's the chemtrails. It must be the chemtrails. It's messing with our heads. You know what I mean? Anyway, everybody, there listen. Follow us at Facebook fan page. So go to our go to Facebook. Go to our fan page, facebook.com forward slash spiritually raw. And we also have a private Facebook group page. It's facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash radio riches and if you're looking to get worldwide exposure on over a hundred of the world's largest broadcasting networks uh go to the site spirituallyraw.com and apply to be a featured guest at at spirituallyraw.com so we'd love to talk to you about that and have you anyway so april who's up today let's talk about that we have two really cool guests today right on uh we have s richard but we call him mr richard he's been through abuse failed marriages sexual identities he's confronted white magic dysfunction judgment and bad choices. But first up, we have Lee Austin. He, Jay Lee, pushes the envelope with topics including theology, metaphysics, metaphysics conspiracy theories, and he is the author of Morning Stars Tale. It's a sci-fi novella, and he's also the host of Outcast Radio. All right, let's bring Lee on to the show. 
Hey, good evening. Hey, good morning. Good hey. afternoon. Ooh, wherever you're at, wherever you're at in the world, it's a good day, right? Absolutely. It feels like I'm right next door to you. I don't know why. That <laughs> it kind of feels like you are, man. It's like a little creepy, though. But that's all right. You know what I mean? Just like, hey, what are you wearing there? <laughs> anyway, so tell us about your background. Well, I've been in broadcasting for 30 years. I started out in Los Angeles actually doing stand-up comedy. I did stand-up in L.A. <laughs> for three years and then went to broadcasting school, graduated, and uh, pretty much been in radio the entire time, uh, off and on between uh, disagreements with management. But um, my last endeavor was in the Austin area. I had a nationally syndicated show. And it was going really well. I was talking about the, uh, you know, typical conspiracy theories, 9-11, chemtrails, as we were discussing earlier. But then a friend told me about this insane topic called Flat Earth. And like everyone else, I thought it was the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. And I went out to disprove it. Six months later, I believed it and got fired from the job because I wouldn't stop talking about it. And that inspired me to write the book, Morning Star's Tale. So are you saying the earth is flat? Is that what that is in reference to? I'm not saying it is. It's what I believe, and it's based on empirical evidence. It's not uh, just faith. It's based on trying to disprove it over a period of time, and uh, the numbers didn't add up, and the numbers pointed towards what appears to be a flat earth. Of course, no one can see it because we're not allowed to go up there nor are we allowed to go out to the expanses of Antarctica. And we can get into that in a little bit uh, once we unravel a couple of things, I suppose. So, so let's just backtrack for one second. I'm curious, what is your background? My background is in radio. Uh, I've been a program director, an operations manager, copywriter, disc jockey, talk show host. Uh, in between, I've done logistics, uh, I have had, I've owned a couple of companies. I flipped real estate for a while. I had a DJ company. I did weddings, had five guys working for me. So I've done a lot of things, but mostly my background is in broadcasting. And when you were in broadcasting, was it more like these conspiracy kind of topics? Was that, was that what no, you were really talking about? No, not really. It wasn't until 2007. What happened was, um, in 2007, I went through a nasty divorce after 20 years of marriage. And I ended up getting a job at a 50,000-watt radio station in Texas. And I somehow convinced management to change the format to classic rock from country and also to do a conspiracy-type show in the morning. And so I did that from 2007 to 2013. And then I moved to Austin and uh, started working at a small radio station uh, in the Round Rock area. And from that, the owner of the network was listening to my local show in Round Rock, and I was able to secure a position doing uh, a national talk show from the Austin area that was broadcast around the world. Hmm. So how well, do I, let, me, let me jump in there real quick. A uh, couple of things. Um, number one, uh, stand-up comic in L.A. I mean, so you've done the comedy store and the laugh factory and all of that too, right? Yeah, I... Uh, got to the point where I was passing auditions and basically lived the lifestyle for three years. I can remember going to the comedy club in Westwood and seeing Robin Williams and there were only seven of us in the club. And then I remember going to the same club with maybe five of us 
at two in the morning, and some guy named Sam Kennison came on. Oh. So I saw a lot. Of, I saw a lot of guys before they became big. That's, That's really cool. cool. That is so much fun. Yeah, but I was really yeah, young, and I didn't know who I was, and I didn't know what I wanted to do. So after three years, I decided to pursue broadcasting because I found that more interesting. There was more longevity to radio than there was to stand up. So absolutely. <laughs> uh, so how the, how did how the flat earth how did this all come to you? What the flat earth? Yeah. Yeah. This there was a there were a couple I, I don't know exactly how it happened. Do you you know a guy named Mark Sargent? No. Or Eric Dubay. Okay, these guys were pretty much at the forefront. I had heard, I went on the web. I, honestly, what happened was I got bored with conspiracy theories. I, I knew about 9-11, JFK, but I wanted to sink my teeth into something new. And I started watching these videos on YouTube about flat earth, and I thought they were the stupidest thing I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. The idea that the earth could have a flat shape to it didn't make any sense to me. So I started trying to disprove it, and the more I tried to disprove it, the more it pointed towards a flat earth. And so I started having these people on my national show, guys like Mark Sargent, uh, Robbie Robertson. He was a guy I celebrate truth, Rob Skiba. And over a period of time, I would say about six months, I became a believer. And by believer, I mean 5149. Mm. I would get on my show daily and say, okay, I'm 80% non-believer. And then eventually, over a six-month period, I became a 51-49% guy. And right now, probably 99%. Ah. And I say 99% only because I haven't seen it. So no one can say what can, you, what can you give us that would make us a believer? Yeah, because like when what's you your, look... What's your best thing? Because when you look at the images... I'll, of, give you, I'll, give you, I'll give you a couple. All right. And, and one of them has nothing to do with curvature. Take a look at the moon and the sun, and I'm going to give you the heliocentric theory. In other words, if you don't believe the Earth is flat and you believe that it's round, here's what NASA tells you. They tell you the moon is 400 times smaller than the sun, and the sun is 400 times larger than the moon. And because it's 400 times the distance, they appear to be the same size in the sky. If you watch the sun and the moon and how they interact, you'll see a half moon where half of it is illuminated, which is impossible. So what happens is that, and again, this is through studying the Bible, studying the book of Enoch, and delving into occultic books over the last three years, is that the sun actually pours its light into the moon, and that the moon projects its own type of light. So what you see in the night sky is not the sun reflecting off the moon. You see the moon projecting its own type of light. And the fact that the moon and the sun are the same size is exactly what it is. The moon and the sun are the same size. Now, as far as curvature goes, I actually did my own little experience, uh, had my own uh, experiment a week ago in Melbourne Beach, and I'm sure you know where that's at. There was a boat on the horizon, and this was just about before sunset, and I could see the light standing up. I sat in my chair, and I couldn't. So when you stand on the seashore, for example, and you're six foot one like me, you have approximately three miles of sight, that is line of sight, and then you see what appears to be the curvature. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I'm with you so far. I'll buy it. Okay. <laughs> okay. What I did was I took out my binoculars. Once that light disappeared over the horizon, it looked like curvature. I took out my binoculars, 
and I pulled the boat back in. So what people believe to be curvature is actually the vanishing point of the horizon. And it's, and it's really wild to get this in your head. But what you're seeing is only to the edge of your perspective. In other words, if I were to go up a thousand feet, I would see further out on the plane. But because I'm only six feet tall, I can only see three miles out. But if I take out a pair of binoculars, the objects come in. And probably the, the best experiment is to go on YouTube and type in Chicago and St. Joseph, Michigan. St. Joseph, Michigan is on the west coast of Michigan. And Chicago, of course, is on the east coast of Illinois. There's a 60-mile distance between St. Joseph, uh, Michigan, and Chicago, Illinois. Based on the curvature formula, which is the heliocentric model of the Earth being 24,901 miles in circumference, the skyline of Chicago should be approximately 1,400 feet beyond the curve. In other words, if you're standing on the shoreline of St. Joseph, Michigan, you shouldn't be able to see Chicago. They've done numerous tests where the entire skyline is visible. And you've had meteorologists get on Chicago television and say it's a mirage. So what they're doing is they're denying reality and they're hiding what I believe. Now to that be the you cannot table. discount what? When you, the last you sentence that you them. just said that what? they're hiding and denying. But Sarge, what, what do you make of all this? What, what well, do you mean hiding well, denying? I, I just want to add, what, why do you believe that they will be hiding something like that? I mean, how does that affect us? Money, power. Remember in the Matrix, when Neo said to the Oracle, he said, why do they do it? What do they want? And, she, and the Oracle says, what do all men want? More power. If you want to know the bottom line to all of it, and this is the shock, they're hiding God. They're hiding God. Where, where are they keeping them? Uh, well, let's put it this way. Call it intelligent design. Call him the great architect. Call him what you will. But if this earth is indeed flat with a dome above it, they're hiding the great architect because this place was built. What the heliocentric theory does is it builds nihilism. In other words, you're just an infinite speck. You're nothing. We're going nowhere, and none of this means anything. Well, but if this is, in fact, the center of the universe, then we must be special, and there must have been someone that built us. How do you, how do you hide the great architect? I mean, doesn't the great architect have enough power to be able to not be hidden and just kind of show him or her or its you know, artificial, whatever, you know, intelligent design it's, kind it's, of thing? It's, it's, it's spiritual. Think about this. Uh, you have uh, Admiral Byrd back in the 50s who went to the Antarctic. And after he came back, he talked about a landmass that was so vast and resources that were unlimited. And then in 1958, they instituted what is called the Antarctic Treaty. It is illegal to fly over Antarctica. And it's the only treaty in effect and has been in effect since 1958 that all of the major nations of the world agree to. Why are they hiding? Why, why are they? Why are they hiding this, Lee? And, I, and I'm still trying to wrap my head around that piece. About why, Antarctica? No, 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 not about the, the hiding the creator, the oh. architect. Why are they hiding it's money, him? It's money and control, and it goes and it's spiritual more than anything else because those that propagate the heliocentric theory usually believe in evolution, 
and they are able to control the masses by instilling in people that this is all pointless. But if it was discovered that this place was actually built by someone, then people would think, wow, I must be special if the entire universe is revolving around me. Okay. All right, hang tight, everybody. We got hang tight, hang tight there, Lee. I know we got to. I want you to finish that thought. When we come back, we're gonna have Lee finish his thought, and also we're gonna find out who the first light worker was when we come back, right? Yeah. So we got to get some words in from our sponsors who are making this show a reality. So we'll be right back after. So listen to them really carefully, everybody. Thank you. (laughs) We'll be right back. Are you letting self-doubt prevent you from creating the life you really want? Reclaim control of your destiny and connect to the magic of life. Best-selling author and motivational speaker Lisa J. Crawford uses her amazing life story to strengthen, heal, and motivate others. From her silent screams to self-empowerment to advocate for victims of sexual abuse, Lisa Crawford takes you on an inspiring journey to overcome obstacles and feel empowered to reach your full potential and discover self-love. The greatest moment is realizing that once you are committed, there is no turning back. Connect with Lisa J. Crawford today. Go to lisajcrawford.com. Improve your health, have more energy, and love what you see when you look in the mirror. Imagine creating your thinner self without ordering special foods, products, or supplements, without an exercise program, and without counting calories. David Mandansky won the 2018 Independent Best Book Award for Diet and Nutrition and developed Create Your Thinner Self. In 2016, David was told by his doctor that he had a 95% chance of a heart attack. During the next four months, he lost those 50 pounds and has kept it off. Learn to stop losing those same 10 pounds over and over with the Create Your Thinner Self program. Go to createyourthinnerself.com today. Hello and welcome to the ancient future of food. I'm Sky Cubby, founder of Medicinal Foods, your source for the highest potency, highest quality medicinal mushrooms, tonic herbs, living greens, which my daughter actually loves, 10 veggies, four grasses, fermented. We have the coffee break, which is a coffee substitute that actually tastes like coffee with chaga, reishi, and maca and some amazing chocolate that has the shaman's blend, which gives it a mood-enhancing effect, and so much more. Check out our products at medicinal-foods.com. If you're going to be successful online, you have to have a predictable system that takes the visitor from just being a visitor to a buyer. Do you need more leads, customers, and sales? If your books and services are not selling and your business is not growing, 
then you need a website audit to get Hello to everybody and welcome back to Spiracy Raw. Thank you very much. We're with the amazing Lee Austin today. here, our conspiracy theorist. Like to have him on more, talk about more of this stuff. There's so much to talk about, so little time to talk about it. And hey, before we get into the light worker, who was the first light worker, Sarge, uh, you know, based on that, what do you have anything that you want to add in on what Lee was talking about? <laughs> hey Lee, I, I do have a question and and I guess it's probably twofold. And that is, um, so what is your beliefs? Like, conspiracy is one thing. What is your spiritual belief? Because you've mentioned, you know, God, and I've, I've kind of looked at your book on Lucifer revealed his uh, flat earth. And um, so what is your belief? What are you trying to convince people to either believe or to look in? Great question. Thank you, Sarge. Uh, I am a Christian. I, I don't deny that for a moment. The book itself is narrated by Lucifer. I purposely decided to write the book as Lucifer and to write it in a way where he conveys his distaste for the reader. In other words, as I put this book together, two things I noticed. One, which surprised me, I was being rejected by the Christian community. You would not believe the pushback from most Christians on this concept. The other thing that's... I would think it would be huge. Yeah, it is. And here's the part that really got me. I found that those that are open to spirituality, that is uh, the Gnostics, the witches, those that are in the occult, listen to what I had to say. Because they're searching for God. And in the book, I don't tell you what to believe. The overall theme of the book is you've been lied to your whole life. Do your own research, and you will come to the conclusion that this place was built via intelligent design. And where you go from there is up to you. But what I encourage the reader to do is to go on their own spiritual journey and find God because he's found within this world that is hidden. I think if most people in the occult, atheists, uh, Gnostics, were to discover that we live in a Truman show with a dome, a firmament, and everything you've been told is a lie, I think a lot of people would begin searching for God as they perceive him. And that's the purpose of the book. And it really is written for millennials. I'm getting tremendous response from people who are 20 to 30. It's people that are over 40 that are giving me the biggest pushback. I divide it into two worlds. You were either before, you were either born before the inception of the internet or after. Those that were born mm-hmm. after the internet came online are open to this because I wasn't, and most baby boomers believed everything that came out of that box. There were three channels, and when man walked on the moon, which he never did, we believed it. Those that grew up after the internet have done their own research and realized that it's a bunch of baloney. We never went to the moon and that it can't even be landed on. And I talk about that in chapter three, how the moon is in fact a light and thus cannot even be landed on. But before we get to the moon, I want to ask you, who or what do you believe Lucifer is? Because there's a big I believe, misconception. I believe there's, there's a distinction because Lucifer is different than Satan. Lucifer was the anointed cherub. He was in charge of the worship of God. He was the most beautiful uh, creation that the Ancient of Days ever put together. And then one day, 
and this is what I believe, he decided he wanted to be equal to the Ancient of Days and was cast out. And those that follow the light bearer, and, and, and again, the book is called Morningstar's Tale, and Morningstar is another name for Lucifer, as, as is the light bearer. But those that follow Lucifer... As is Jesus. Bearer, well, here's the difference, and this is what I believe, but again, it's, it's whatever you want to believe. I don't force my beliefs on anyone. I believe that Lucifer is an archangel and not equal to the Ancient of Days. But those that follow Lucifer, the light bearer, believe that he was bringing enlightenment and knowledge to Adam and Eve in the garden. And it was the Demiurge, which is, which is another name for the Ancient of Days, who is the uh, vindictive God who kicked Adam and Eve out of the garden. And Lucifer was punished only because he tried to enlighten man. So those that are Luciferians don't believe in Satan, they believe in Lucifer, who will enlighten them. Okay, let's talk about that for a second. So, number one, do you feel like <laughs> Lucifer got a bad rap? I was just going to ask that question. I don't believe he got a bad rap. I do believe he's misunderstood, especially by Christians. Okay, so... In fact, like I, yeah, like I said, I mean, he was an anointed archangel. And the question is... Did he try to ascend to the same level as the Ancient of Days? I do. I believe he did, and that's why he was cast down to Earth. And Earth, in the book, Morning so Star's hold Tale, that I thought. So wait a second. Do you yeah, think that there is a common denominator between Jesus and Lucifer? Is Lee yes. thinking? Oh, that yes. was a long. <laughs> yes. uh, that was a long dramatic pause. That was. <laughs> no, it was because I was actually thinking about what you said. Mm. I think the relationship is like, let's say you're great at chess. You're better than anyone in the world at chess, but there's one guy who always beats you, and that guy would be Jesus. I think if Lucifer came up against anybody maybe except for like Michael or Gabriel, he would win. But every time he had a confrontation with Jesus, Jesus always trumped him. He was like a move ahead. Yeah. You know, they would play what I call multidimensional chess. But Jesus was always a step ahead of him. And it's always infuriated Lucifer that he never got the street cred that Jesus got. Mm. And so it really gets down to something I don't know the answer to, which is, why has this been going on forever? Or at least it appears to have gone on forever. Originally, I believe the earth was given to Lucifer. And then when he decided to ascend to the same level as the Ancient of Days, he was cast out. And then the Ancient of Days decided to create man in his own image and took the deed, gave it to man, kicked Lucifer out. Then Lucifer came back, tricked man. And now this world, as we know it today, at this moment, is Lucifer's. He is the temporary landlord. There's no doubt about it. And so, real, real quick, April, I know we, because we're about to wrap this up, but I do want to get this in. So, are you suggesting that Jesus is not God? Not for a moment. Jesus is God. And Lucifer is an anointed cherub. So therein lies my confusion a little bit here. So let me take a look at this from an agnostic point of view, I guess, if you would. But so if Jesus is God, but then how is he God and then the Son of God? Great question. 
don't have an answer. Okay. All right. Well, good enough there. All right. So anyway, how, how does everybody, this has really been good. I, I really appreciate this. And, you know, we definitely would love to have you back more because you had a lot of cool topics. I want to talk more about the moon. So much to talk about. So little time to talk about it. And Lee, can you drive it home, brother? Tell everybody where they can get a hold of you and also to how they can get connected and get your book there. Sure. Uh, the book is called Morning Star's Tale, and that's spelled T-A-L-E. It's a play on words. Morning Star's Tale. It's another name for Lucifer. And the book's available at uh, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and Walmart. And if you can't remember that, just go to my website, which is MorningStarsTale.com. It's only about 80 pages long. It took over a year to write in five revisions because apparently when I was writing it, I had to be exact in a lot of things so if anything it creates a conversation and if you know you're going to fight with your relatives over thanksgiving <laughs> pick up the book and i i assure you you will be ostracized <laughs> from your family oh that's a if good you one wanna, if you want to piss off your family buy my book <laughs> there you go lee that's everybody lee austin thank you very Absolutely. much for being on the show with us today all right everybody we're going to take a quick break and a word from our sponsor we'll be right back with our next guest mr s richard thank you very much successful online you have to have a predictable system that takes the visitor from just being a visitor to a buyer do you need more leads customers and sales if your books and services are not selling and your business is not growing then you need a website audit to get to the root of the issue get a free 20-point website and social media audit report today health, have more energy, and love what you see when you look in the mirror? Imagine creating your thinner self without ordering special foods, products, or supplements, without an exercise program, and without counting calories. David Mandansky won the 2018 Independent Best Book Award for Diet and Nutrition and developed Create Your Thinner Self. In 2016, David was told by his doctor that he had a 95% chance of a heart attack. During the next four months, he lost those 50 pounds and has kept it off. Learn to stop losing those same 10 pounds over and over with the Create Your Thinner Self program. Go to createyourthinnerself.com today. Hello and welcome to the ancient future of food. I'm Sky Cubby, founder of Medicinal Foods, your source for the highest potency, highest quality medicinal mushrooms, tonic herbs, living greens, which my daughter actually loves, 10 veggies, four grasses, fermented. We have the coffee break, which is a coffee substitute that actually tastes like coffee with chaga, reishi, and maca and some amazing chocolate that has the shaman's blend, which gives it a mood enhancing effect and so much more. Check out our products at medicinal-foods with an S.com.
Are you letting self-doubt prevent you from creating the life you really want? Reclaim control of your destiny and connect to the magic of life. Best-selling author and motivational speaker Lisa J. Crawford uses her amazing life story to strengthen, heal, and motivate others. From her silent screams to self-empowerment to advocate for victims of sexual abuse, Lisa Crawford takes you on an inspiring journey to overcome obstacles and feel empowered to reach your full potential and discover self-love. The greatest moment is realized. All right, everybody, and welcome back to Spiritually no Raw. Back. Lee Austin, pretty intriguing guy, huh? Today. Oh, we could definitely have Go him back on. Yeah, he's got a lot of cool stuff. He's got a lot of cool stuff. Okay, so let's talk about our next guest. Yes, <laughs> up next is S. Richard. We also call him Mr. Richard. Mr. Richard. Mr. Richard. He's been... He's been through a lot, Jay. Let me just tell you something. He's been through abuse, failed marriages, sexual identities, issues. He's confronted with, he's been confronted with white magic, dysfunction, judgment, bad choices. Esther Richard is hoping, Jay, to help at least work one person and leave a story be- behind for others to learn from and uh, grow as well. He's the author of Man at 50, an autobiography filled with crisis, revelation, and survival. All right, Mr. Richard, welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you. I'm here. <laughs> oh, it's so good to have you here. You got a lot of cool little scenario stuff that happened to you, man. Failed marriages, sexual identities, rough, I mean, all this. Like, He's had stuff, some rough, right rough words, Jay. Wow, wow, wow. You know, so like, uh, I mean, like, how did this even come about for you? I mean, you know, what happened in your childhood that, that, that affected you like this? Well, the um, the book covers the first 50 years of my life. So uh, in, in the short time that we have together, I won't, I won't be able to cover all of it, but I'll try to sum it up for you. Um, I came from a, a very large family. Uh, there was 10 children, and I'm the baby of, of 10 children. Mm. And with that, um, there was a lot of challenges as far as uh, a lot of resentment from my siblings. Um, and the way I was treated by my parents obviously was, uh, different than the, uh, than the older kids. And so that kind of started, uh, you know, the ball in ball in motion, um, as far as the abuse goes. Um, now the abuse was coming from your siblings, not just to be clear, your the abuse was coming from your siblings, not your parents. That's correct. Yes. Um, now my abuse, um, there was verbal abuse from my father, um, and he was a very cold and very distant man. Um, he wasn't, you know, he wasn't a hugger. He wasn't affectionate. And um, when I, when I would reach out to him, uh, as as a young person, when I would reach out to him for any kind of affection or a kiss good night or anything, uh, he always questioned whether I was a faggot or I was gay. And mm. at that That's point harsh. in my life, I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> yeah, it and it and it played a, a major role uh, in my life growing up as an as an adult. So there was some verbal abuse there from from my father, um, but the physical abuse um, that didn't the physical and sexual abuse that didn't uh, stem from my parents. That was uh, from my siblings. Now my recollection of that abuse, um, in my mind, uh, they're kind of cloudy, dreamlike visions. Um, I don't have any vivid memories of actual events that occurred. Um, just like I said, you know, like a, like a cloudy dream. Um, I know there were inappropriate things that that went on, but um, but they're not vivid. Uh, with, you know, so, thank God for do that. you think you're saying you blocked a lot of it out? 
I think there's a, a an element of blockage um, there as far as clarity goes, you know, as far as clarifying um, what happened. Um, as I got older, there were there were stories and accusations, and there were um, there was sexual misconduct that was experienced by my other siblings, um, perpetrated by older siblings, and those stories came came out as right, let's be, let's be clear about that when you, know, you say perpetrated their, yeah. when you say perpetrated by older siblings are were they you, diddling with you were they diddling with you is that what was happening um well yeah i mean as far as as far as me being a victim of that um i was taken advantage of by older siblings uh and then some of my um older siblings um were sexually assaulted by the older siblings if that makes sense it, it there, there was um richard uh i just want to jump in here so what um kind of community were you raised in um it, was it a small community i mean it was another place other than america i mean where where did you grow up um well basically um i was born in north dakota and I lived most of my life in, in Wisconsin. Um, it was a small community. And uh, one of the elements in the book uh, that I cover is with that many children, financial problems were, were in the forefront. <laughs> that was a daily thing um, to try to provide for that many children. And one of the things that led to the inappropriate beha behavior is um, the kids had to share beds. And the boys and girls slept in the same beds oh. because there wasn't enough beds. That's trouble right and, there. And, and, and so that's like big was, warning sign. And, and there was ten of you, right? Correct. Now, not all ten were, you know, at, at home um, at the same time. Um, you know, because uh, the the oldest kids they had went on, you know, to start their own lives. But um, but there there was a point where there was probably six to seven living in the home at the same time did your parents and ever know did anyone that it wasn't spoke it wasn't spoken of um it wasn't it wasn't brought up until later was it, it your brothers or your sisters um based on the account or, you know based on the stories that that i heard um for me m my my abuse um was with my sisters um, but one of my sisters was abused by one of my older brothers. Mm. So and, your older uh, brother abused your older sister, and your older sister ended up abusing you. So right. it just kind of went downhill from there, right? Right, okay. right. And and there was a lot of um, the the dysfunction as children kind of carried on into adulthood, um, because you know one one of my sisters went on to have uh, two. Um, additional relationships, um, a couple of her first relationships, and she she gravitated towards very very violent and abusive uh, boyfriends, and um, just because she whole, continued that because yeah, of this whole process. That pattern. And she and she has that pattern. So let's talk about the sexual identities. When you talk about that in your description that April was mentioning at the beginning of the show, was that that was it that you had uh, uh, conflicting views of your sexual identity, or what what was you know, put, put that in context for us if you could. Right. Okay, well, in, in the book, um, the main character, Robert, is, is me. And um, just to kind of, you know, 
put a put a perspective on it. Um, Robert is the main character in the book, and it, it, when he was always looking, you know, for for his identity and for validation from from him from my father. Okay, and um, he questioned his sexual identity, and when you know when I moved moved out. Um, I went kind of overboard with the sexual exploration um, because that, for me that was a way to prove my masculinity. Um, but when I when I went overboard in the sexual exploration and I sought that out, I equated sex with love. And so every time that I was in a sexual encounter uh, as a young adult and then into my you know, into my 20s uh, when I joined the military, um, I, I sought out sex because that represented love to me. And so <clears throat> so from that point, you know, I kind of got into situations where I chose uh, I chose the wrong person to be with. Um, I sought out uh, mother figures. I had a really great relationship with my mother and I sought out um older women to be with um as a mother figure did to, your mother to, did you ever it, confront your mother in your adult years that any of this ever happened no no i did not how do your how do your uh, siblings feel about it now um uh, feel about the book, my story or yeah, their the, stories yeah well um i've only shared the book with one of my with one of my siblings um my uh my older sister, her and I share a birth date and we were born on the same day, but 17 years apart. Oh, wow. And so we are, we are pretty much twins. Um, we are akin to twins. I mean, we, uh, we've always been very, very close. Um, and, and she actually is the one that named me because after 10 kids, my parents ran out of names. Oh. And so they turned, they turned to her and said, you name him because we, we don't know what to call him. And, um, so she was the one that gave me my, my name, and um, I really haven't shared it with, with uh, a lot of my family. Um, it's my story, not necessarily theirs. Um, do, you, kinda, do, do you see them ahead. still? Do you, do you still see your family or any of them? I mean, is there any type of birthday, holiday gatherings or anything of that that you all get together or, or a good party you get together, or are you completely all separate? Um, well, that's that's a great question, and in the epilogue of the book, um, it covers the last event that recently occurred, which was a sibling family reunion, and I did attend the family reunion and went back and faced um, everyone, all, all, all nine brothers and sisters. And how'd that go? Um, it went very well. Um, it, it went very well. A lot of them are still in the same place they were when I was a kid. A lot of them um, still saw me as um, the little brother. The baby. Uh, the, hold, the, hold, the, hold, the, hold that thought, the, Mr. Richard. We're going to take a quick break from our sponsor, and we're going to hear more about that family reunion when we come back. Hang and tight. the white magic. And the white magic. Yeah, definitely on that one. So we'll be right back. Hang tight. There you go. You're up next. <laughs> How, 
Hello and welcome to the ancient future of food. I'm Sky Cubby, founder of Medicinal Foods, your source for the highest potency, highest quality medicinal mushrooms, tonic herbs, living greens, which my daughter actually loves, 10 veggies, four grasses, fermented. We have the coffee break, which is a coffee substitute that actually tastes like coffee with chaga, reishi, and maca and some amazing chocolate that has the shaman's blend, which gives it a mood enhancing effect and so much more. Check out our products at medicinal-foods.com. Get worldwide exposure. Be heard live on hundreds of the world's largest live broadcast stations. Spiritually Raw, the ass whipping truth wants you. We expose and explore controversial truths, myths, theories, and dogmas surrounding the spirit world, and no topic is taboo. Do you have an amazing or unusual personal story? Are you an author, expert, or authority in ancient mysteries, conspiracy theories, UFOs, aliens, world religions, or anything revolving around the spirit world? If so, then Spiritually Raw wants you. All right, everybody, and welcome back to Spiritually Raw. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, and we have Mr. Richard with us. Hey, Sarge, what do you want to ask there? I know you wanted to jump in right before you went to break. Well, I just wanted to jump in uh, from the standpoint of uh, kind of the white magic. I mean, it, the way that the story is leading, uh, I want to see how it actually led into uh, something as white magic. First of all, I don't know what white magic. I've heard of black magic. So, Mr. Richard? Okay. Now yeah. the, I'll take I'll take that question. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> okay. You're, you're on to, stage. To try to to try to unpack it, you know, uh, unpackage or or open up uh, everything. Uh, I'll take I'll take you through a quick timeline. Um, when I left home, I joined the military as a military police officer, and I sought out that male energy because I was questioning who I was, you know, man or woman, and so um, I met my first wife. Um, in the military, she was 13 years older than I, and I, once again looking for a mother figure. It, it seemed like that's a the huge problem. That's what I did. About ten five years older than me in the military, I married her. Right, and and for me, um, that was my first marriage, my first real relationship. Um, that marriage ended in uh, a lesbian affair, and she left me for another woman she was working with. Mm. Oh, that's that, a book in itself right there. Yeah. Right? So that, is that, in, that should take up at least a chapter or two. Right. Is that in the um, book? Well, it, it does. <laughs> and, and that further, you know, kind of crushed my, my, uh, my masculinity and, and my, my questions about sexuality. Um, I met my second wife, and um, she immediately started questioning how that made me feel. You know, did it? Um, did I question my masculinity when that happened to me? And, and, um, she was four years older than, than I was. Um, but, but still a mother figure. Um, she was more enlightened spiritually. She was into metaphysics. She was into healing. She was into counseling and she started to kind of dissect and, and, and analyze me and kind of pick my brain apart, um, to, to try to understand how I felt. Uh, with my first marriage that failed. And so that marriage went on for 22 years. And my second marriage being 22 years long, there was a tremendous amount of, um, it was kind of like living with your therapist for 22 years. Um, and what was it? And it was, was it unsolicited therapy? Me, uh, meaning that 
was was the advice that she was giving you or the trying to bring this out of you was it was it stuff that you were reaching out for or was she just doing doing it draw it out of you um probably 50 50 probably 50 50 some of it was asked for some of it wasn't um she she tried you know uh to get me to um, make changes and understand my past. And she also was very um, adamant about me uh, severing myself from my family. Um, she identified me as being codependent and that I needed to disconnect from my family completely because they were holding me back spiritually and they were holding me back uh, as far as my growth goes. And how do you feel um, about that? Well, I lost a lot of time. Um, I lost a lot of time with my family. Um, I, when my mother passed away, I missed her funeral because of that relationship. Because of the um, relationship with your second wife. Wow, that's huge. Yeah, that was, um, and I, I missed miss the funeral um, because I, I made the choice to allow her to make that decision, and I didn't make it on my own. Do you forgive um, your Do you forgive your siblings in any way? I mean, like if you you were to get together again and you know do this, I mean, is there is there when you see them at these events or family reunions, is there any like you know animosity? You son of a bitch, or you know what I mean? Is there any of that? You know what I mean? Or are you just are you completely well, at peace with all this? That is, um, I am now, and that is the that that was kind of the purpose of the book. Um, you know, the 22-year marriage, the last 10 years of that marriage was a, a non-physical relationship. We only lived in the same house, but there was no physical relationship. I was single for 10 years, but I was, in, I was still married um, and living in the same house. And that kind of leads into a, a process that I was going through um, where I was trying to find little Robert the the little person in me and I was working on trying to take control of him and take responsibility for him and and to become an adult um and and that's what I was working on during that marriage okay um I left that marriage after a, a lot of trauma and a lot of things that went on in that marriage um, during the, that marriage, we were on the road as full-time RVers, and we traveled around the country. And my second son was homeschooled, and well, we were well, traveling well, hold around. On. What, what, what did you do for income when you were traveling around the country in the RV? My, my second wife had a spellcasting business. Now we're getting right, somewhere. Jeez, okay. She, she, she had an online spellcasting business, and that's oh, how she made Why'd you leave that to um, the end? You should have pushed that right so, up to the beginning. So people would then hire her to like cast these white magic spells. Is that what would happen? Yes. Got it. And then wait she a minute. So you, she would, you would travel to people's homes and cast these spells? No, it was an online spellcasting website. They would reach out to her, pay a fee, and she would. Uh, cast the spell now to clarify the white magic the white magic is magic and energy channeling of things like strength um spiritual enlightenment uh empowerment things of that nature they were they had nothing to do with interfering with a person's free will there there were no curses there were no um, you know, uh, banishments. There, the, the the spells that she did were all of a of a spiritual positive nature. 
What's the so difference between that and praying? Magic comes in. What's the difference between that? What's the difference between performing white magic if it comes from a spiritual nature and just someone praying? So or chanting or chanting. I mean, can you can you can you give exactly. me like a can you give our audience just an example of like you know what would what would go beyond the traditional someone praying and saying hey you know help me with this whatever I mean were there, were there stones were there rocks were there lotions potion shakes you know kind of thing. That's that's exactly um, that's when you said praying. That was exactly what she what she did is she did prayers, and she did use sometimes she used stones, sometimes she used crystals, but she would do prayers and she would send the energy to them, okay, um, for whatever particular you know need that they had at the time. And how much would um, she charge? Oh, the the. Prices range from ten dollars all the way up to maybe fifty to seventy-five dollars per per spell cast. So was per, she was she a psychic, intuitive, a yes. gypsy? Um, psychic. Um, she was psychic. She studied astrology, numerology, all the metaphysics that that are out there, um, and and she she had spent her entire life in that in that area. Now, and do so, you think that? that um, attributed to a lot of your issues? Ooh. Well, she, she, she saw, she saw me as another person to fix or to help or to enlighten. Oh, so we were, she, you were like her she, project. Yeah. I was, I was her project along with her, with her clients. And, mm. um, I did gain a lot of, a lot of help. There was a lot of positive things that 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 came out of that relationship, but with you know with the the process of that relationship, um, I had two of my siblings call CPS on us and try to remove my second son from us because he was in a bus, he was traveling around the country as a full time RVer, and he was homeschooled, and they didn't believe that that was a healthy lifestyle for him. And so they tried to have CPS remove him from us and take him away. Did it work? Um, no, it did not. Um, the case was never followed through, and they the case was dropped. Um, and those and, siblings, and those siblings now, do you do you do you are you forgiven them? Right. That tried to take yes. away your. You have forgiven that. Wow. Yeah, I don't man think I could do that. Yeah, I don't know, man. You, You're better than, you, than me. That's crossing the that line. Is. Well, well it, I got to say this. Uh, I don't know if Jay agreed with this uh, with me, but I, I got to get back to this. For 10 years, you was in a marriage that was non-sexual. Okay, so I can barely go a week. So <laughs> let me know how in the world for 10 years you were able to do that. Or okay. was there something else? Maybe that he was taking a, matters a, at hand. Well, that's yeah, that's a great question. Um, and the underlying story and the underlying reason for why I stayed for 22 years, the last 10 was a non-physical, uh, relationship. My first son from my first marriage. Okay. I left him and I, I, I when I left the state of Seattle or the state of Washington, I left Seattle and I left him with his mother because he was 99% his mother's son. I didn't really have a relationship with him. I didn't really know how to be a father, how to be a dad. And I left him behind with his mother and I left the state. 
And in that second marriage, my second son, I made a promise to myself that I would never leave another son or child of mine behind. And so I made a commitment to myself and to my second son that no matter what, I would stay in that relationship until he became an adult and he could understand my reasonings for moving on. Have you been able to reconnect with your first son from the previous marriage? My first son, I have a tremendous relationship with him. Um, I am completely blocked out of the life of my second son. Wait a minute. The uh, son that you stayed with, regard, the son that you stayed with was the mother of the lady you didn't have sex with for 10 years, and he has resentment towards you? Yes, because I made a decision at 50 years old, man at 50, to leave that marriage when he reached the age of 19 years old. When he became an adult, I had fulfilled my commitment to myself and to him to stay and not abandon another child. And when I reached, when, when he reached the age of, uh, of being an adult, he was between 18 and 19, it was time for me to leave that relationship. How, how old is he now? Oh, um, whew, trick question. 24, 25. Um, okay, so the first. So, let me. I want to address the elephant in the room in reference to that. Okay, and that is, um, how do you feel um, that it was worth doing with the decision that you you made? Do you think you set the best example for your son of the second marriage? Well, he was. Him and I were scared of my second wife. He was scared of her and she was controlling him as well as me. And neither one of us were happy, but he was also very connected to her. And when I left my second marriage, she convinced him to pick up and leave and disappear. And they disappeared for about four years and I don't know where they went to. I think she's the one that needs the help. She was projecting her <laughs> issues on you, and she was actually the one that really needed the help. Yeah, that's absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. That sounds that way. Okay, well, listen, we're, 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 com we're, we're coming down, guys, to the home stretch. Because like, you sound pretty darn good. Yeah, yeah. Well, our, well You're yeah. more balanced yeah. than me. Yeah, our, listen, our producer's shouting in our ear that uh, it's time to wrap up. Oh, my God, so much time to talk about. So much little so little stuff. So much stuff to talk about. So little time to talk about it. And blah, 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 blah. <laughs> all right, everybody. So, uh, all right. So, Mr. Richard, tell everybody where they can buy you and where they can buy your book and check you out. Okay. Um, the best place would, would be um, my website, and it's outskirtspress.com forward slash man at 50 the book. Man of 50, the book. Okay, so I'd like to thank our guests today, Lee Austin and Mr. Richard. So go and check out their websites, buy their book, and remember every day you can find us on BBS Radio Live every Wednesday at 2 o'clock and also here at Anchor FM forward slash Spiritually Raw. Make sure you follow us at Facebook.com forward slash Spiritually Raw and also Facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Radio Riches. Yes. Try to say that again. No, no. <laughs> I said it twice. <laughs> All right, everybody. And I'd like to thank again uh, Sarge here for being with us, also helping us out. And Juan, thanks for keeping it together for his brother. Appreciate everybody. And there you go. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. And remember, tune in often, tell all your friends. And most importantly, may all your dreams come true. Many blessings. Mm -hmm.